1: Take Command Podcast. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Logan Paulson, Craig Hoffman, Kevin Sheehan is with us on this week's show. So here's how the schedule. Yeah, first guest. Let's go. Uh, Well, uh, you got some nice like. Artwork behind you, Kevin. We'll we'll send you another trophy, by the way, to add to that. I, I think I see a place for it. <laughs>
0: I am sitting uh, at my wife's desktop in her office in her home right now. It's a nice aesthetic, okay. well, though.
1: You can put it wherever in your studio, wherever it is you want. It's your trophy, but we'll just make sure that that uh, <laughs> well, in a very do, large podcast studio. budget, I have a couple of
0: Dundies sitting behind me. Um, For those office fans out there, Uh, but that's about it. I don't. I'm not a memorabilia guy. I don't keep anything. Do you guys? Well, I Uh, I know Logan doesn't.
2: No, I don't. No, I
1: don't keep anything.
0: Do you keep stuff when you go to Super Bowls and stuff like that? I never keep any of it.
1: I have. I have a couple of press passes from over the years. When I'm, some of them is just laziness of like ah, I put it down when I get home because I'm exhausted, and then it just sits on the counter, and then you go to move, and you're like. I should really clean this up. I I should generally clean it up, Uh, but specifically this press pass can go in the garbage. But I've got some from, like, Super Bowl press rows. Um, I have some from, like, Final Fours and stuff over the years. Uh, But eventually, when I have a home as opposed to an apartment, uh, I will probably get, like, a shadow box situation. Because I think that's kind of cool stories and stuff, but not, like, a, a huge sentimental memorabilia guy, no. Um, All right, so here's what we got on the schedule. Here's how the the schedule is going to come together for the Commanders. You have your six games against your divisional opponents. You got four from the team within your own conference, which this year is the NFC North. So you got Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. And then you got an AFC division. It's the South this year, Titans, Jags, Texans, Colts, which is fun considering Wentz. And then you got NFC South, NFC West, uh, third-place finishers from last year. Uh, which are the Falcons and the 49ers. And then you have basically a random one uh, that is the Browns. Uh, So you obviously have a very interesting storyline there pending the Deshaun Watson saga. Uh, Let's let's see. just kind of go through here game. You're most looking forward to on paper as we stand now, understanding all the caveats we talked about in the first 15 minutes of this podcast What's the game that you're most interested to figure out where it is on the schedule and and most interested to assuming that it kind of goes as planned to watch, consume, go to whatever it may be? Logan, do you have one?
2: Uh, So I was just going to say like um, either – Da- either Dallas game or the Philly game because I feel like right now they're like the class of the division and I want to see how this team stacks up with them and I'm really anxious to kind of get that measuring stick all you know what is Carson Wentz like how has he improved the team how has he improved the roster Jahan Dotson like are these pieces in the, the draft that they've done this offseason like has it improved them or are they the same and have they kept pace with those teams that are very good you know Dallas is kind of Taking a little bit of a regression in terms of pieces that they've lost. And then Philly seems to be just like going ahead full steam. Only limiting factor there is Jalen Hurts, like we talked about on your show the other day, Kevin. Um, I know you like Jalen. I like Jalen too. But in terms of roster, and so like where where are we? Can we win the division? Like I think those are also all good indicator games of that, and I'm just excited to see how the team matches up.
0: There, there are a couple. I mean, first of all, Carson Wentz gets Philly twice and in Indy. Yeah, mm-hmm. on the schedule. So he gets three games against his former teams that both said, please get out of here and get out of here quickly. So those are motivating games for him, I would think. I think Kirk Cousins coming back to D.C. for the first time since he left is a big storyline game. Now, we'll see what the league and how they treat it. You know, I think Washington just in general isn't treated as kind of marquee anymore, especially their home games because it doesn't look great aesthetically on TV. Um, but they're also playing at San Francisco, and remember, I think I'm right about this. They played the 49ers in the rain at FedEx a couple of years ago, and it was a nine to nothing final. I think it was nine nothing. And they were doing you know, snow angels or rain angels in the end zone at the end of the game, the 49ers were. And basically all but carried Kyle Shanahan off on their shoulders on the <laughs> way out, you know, out, of the, out of the stadium. But I don't know if anybody in the current football you know, organization even cares about that stuff anymore. That was more of a Dan, Bruce, you know, Jay, um, you know, Kyle thing. Um,
1: I mean, for I, for Kyle, for everything I know, he he still doesn't like Dan. Like, oh. there's, and not just like doesn't like, but like there's a vitriol there that I don't think will ever really go
0: away. I mean, oh, Logan, I you know him better. I think him and the father both. Um, yeah, really, you guys both for know them. Their time well, here. So. Um, but I, yeah. I don't think I think the feelings mutual. Um, sure. But yeah, and, and, and those those are interesting kind of non. I mean, the Philadelphia the Carson Wentz getting an opportunity to play Philly and in Indy. And his first year outside of those two markets is, will be interesting games. And so, the, way, for- the other thing to the Jacksonville game, it's Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he coached Wentz. Yeah. He felt- mm-hmm. okay, so that's another part of that storyline.
1: Yeah. So for me, going back to the Vikings game, you know, there's this idea of like cousins and what could have been if they could have ever figured out a contract. And of course, you know, Kirk actually wanting to be here in a, in a more meaningful way. Like there's there's always going to be that history that is dissected in a million ways. I know as a beat reporter at the time, like I was in the middle of it. And God, there's so much history there. The more interesting return there is Kevin O'Connell. They could have offered him the head coaching job. They could have kept him as the offensive coordinator calling plays, and he would have never gone to Los Angeles um, because it would have been a lateral move and they would have been able to block it. And instead, they just let... They let him go. Ron, Ron, was not interested in continuing with him. They wanted to bring in one of Ron wanted to bring in one of his own guys, and that's a guy that well, I like Kevin's a smart guy. Kevin had seen functional organizations. He knew what was going on here at the time um, with everything. Still, you know, this is always a, a difficult conversation now. But everything going on with Dwayne at the time and, right. and all those kinds of things. But if they offered him the job, either the head job instead of Ron, or. The OC job under Ron, and on a long term basis, um, you know, with with, he he would have stayed, and so, and or would not have a choice to have stayed. Um, So I think that when you talk about the what ifs of Washington of at this point, the last decade, like we're out that this is crazy, but like we're out of the decade of Robert, like a Robert was over a decade ago at this point, the draft and and everything. Obviously we now move into what would have been his second year. Like we're over 10 years removed from the, the ACL tear, all that kind of stuff. So if you kind of go from like the 2015 on recent history of Washington football, the Kevin O'Connell what-if is one of the, depending on how he turns out as a head coach in Minnesota, is actually one of the legitimate turning point what-ifs. And it's not like McVay where there was nothing they could do with Sean. They couldn't keep him because in order to keep him they would have had to fire one of his best friends. And there was no way Sean was gonna go for that if they fired Jay. Do you think so, do you
2: think the fans care about that at all? Do you think the fans care about him coming back? If Kevin back?
1: O'Connell becomes a really good head coach in Minnesota, yeah, they're gonna care about But a I lot.
2: think I think you're giving it more credit. Like this is like the thing people do with the draft, right? They like say, Oh, like if you were to redraft twenty twenty two or redraft twenty twenty one, this is how it falls, right? At the time, like the offense was terrible here. You know, it was not very good. And that's not necessarily Kevin's fault, as we all know. But he's had an opportunity to kind of grow and mature as a coach. Same thing with Kyle when he goes to Cleveland and goes to Atlanta. Like, his philosophy changed, right? So, I I just – it felt like he was kind of like the, um, you know, the redheaded stepchild at the time. You know, I didn't cover it the same way you covered it. But what I mean by that is like – You know, Jay was kind of the OC, and, you know, Kevin got the game plan together, and then he was getting strong armed by Bill. And uh, to me, I don't think the fans care necessarily. And you can say, look back, oh, look at Kevin, or look at. Kevin, he's doing all these great things now. Like, it just doesn't seem like it has the same impact as like a Sean or a Kyle or even a Mike McDaniel who were here and were fired from the organization and had the opportunity to be extended. It just like they, they were successful even then in that period. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I totally agree with that. I think hiring Kevin O'Connell after the 2019 season would have been completely out of the blue. And the fan base would not have been thrilled with the hire. They weren't even thrilled with him as an offensive coordinator. Um, That would have been a shocking hire. He wasn't ready. Look, Sean's hiring in L.A. was a shocking hire. Yeah. You know, I don't think the fan base even recognized how great Sean McVay was at that point. The one that was really obvious that he was headed towards being a head coach was Kyle. Yep. You know he'd been a phenomenal offensive coordinator in Houston before he got here, and you know a lot of the dumb people in our you know uh, realm said it was a nepotism hire. Kyle was a proven first-rate offensive coordinator when he got here, and that was the trap was to keep Mike um, and eventually turn it over to Kyle and to have either RG3, who had you know allowed himself to be developed by two people who really know what they're doing, or to have Kirk as the quarterback, that would have been the right track because nobody knew about Matt LaFleur. Nobody really had a sense that Sean – there were some people. I mean, Cooley thought that Sean McVay should have been hired as a head coach yeah. and Jay should have been offered the offensive coordinator job. Like, that would have actually worked out. Um, but, <laughs> but Kevin O'Connell really wasn't – You know, in that moment, that would have been a stunning hire and one that Dan would have never been able to sort of envision. I I think as a head coach, yes, as offensive coordinator, as
1: offensive coordinator, though, and this is, you know, getting into like a larger conversation about Rivera's desire for comfort around him and familiar voices. Like, to have some of that continuity, the only guy he wound up keeping was Randy Jordan. And I'm not saying that was a great offense. I mean, there were obviously some good offensive coaches on that staff. That was a very talent-deficient uh, offense from a personnel standpoint. But I, I do think that keeping Kevin as an offensive coordinator would have been the right move and would not have been shocking. And he and, wouldn't uh, be a coach
0: right now in Minnesota because he needed possible. to be the offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl champion to get a job.
1: Yeah. Probably, but there, no, were, there was definitely probably, a buzz around it. No, Maybe not right now, but like he was still on, Like he's <laughs> he might, he's one that people were watching.
0: He wouldn't be a head coach after two seasons under Ron Rivera here as an OC.
1: Probably not, but that's also <laughs> the McVeigh. The McVeigh like, touch <laughs> is uh, it's the Michael touch, baby.
0: Fourteen and nineteen over the last two years if KOC had been the OC.
1: That would I mean their offensive times the last couple of years has but been, they haven't had a quarter. That's also, true. That's I mean, this also is, true. I'm just
2: saying, like, the situation here it wasn't good when he was here. It has not been good since he left. Like, if he was the OC here, like, we'd be talking about firing Kevin O'Connell through no fault of his own. He might be the most brilliant offensive mind of all time. I don't know. But, like, it just the situation is right. Then you get to go to L.A. They bring in a quarterback. He's under the tutelage of Like, it just is – it projects well. And, it, and, like, that's something for fans to understand. I think this is really important. This is not a knock on Kevin O'Connell. Like – uh, my, Kevin brought this up. Coaches take time to develop just like players do, right? So in terms of developing and maturing, like that was an integral part of him. Like you talked to Kyle and he said, he'll tell you to this to this day, like he had, he had head coaching jobs after Cleveland. He said no, because he wasn't ready. He needed one more year, two more years in Atlanta to kind of figure that out. Sean is the only one of those guys. Matt LaFleur, same way. Mike McDaniel, same way. They wanted to kind of develop their philosophy and ideology. Sean was the only one who was like, ready to go at, you know, the, the ripe old age of 32. So I think that's also important for fans to understand, like the coach that Kevin was then would not be the coach he is now if he hadn't left. And I think that's important for people to understand.
0: I wonder, you know, you guys know Kevin and I just don't think he's as dynamic as Sean um, as a leader and a communicator. I definitely don't think that. Um, So I'm curious as to how ready he is right now. He was the OC of a Super Bowl champion with Matt Stafford and with OBJ and with Cooper Cup and, you know, a creative head coach that's an offensive head coach. Like, Sean, it was a stunning hire, but everybody that knew Sean thought it was going to work. Everybody that knew Kyle knew he is a genius offensive mind you know, off of the tree of genius, you know, and pioneering offensive minds. Do you guys feel the same way about Kevin O'Connell? I mean, I'm rooting for him, but I don't know that he's in that same category.
2: So Craig knows him probably better than anybody. So that's a, that's a Craig, Craig question all day. I know, And I can feel it. I can feel Craig's yeah, excitement to I support mean, his boy, go to bat, and be like, yeah, he's the best offensive mind of all time.
1: I will say that. I mean, look, I covered Kevin. I covered Sean. And I would take Sean eight days out of seven. Um, but that's not a knock saying that Kevin's terrible. Right. Um, I, I Is he as dynamic as Sean? No. Sean's one of the most dynamic leaders I've ever met in my entire life. You talk to the guy for five minutes, and you go, that dude's special. No wonder right. like he'd be good at leading anything. Um, and, by the way, he's a schematic, you know, borderline genius. So that's a pretty good combination of traits. I think Kevin does have the, – the one thing that I would – isolate about Kevin to say why I think he's going to be successful is I actually do think he has a very clear vision of what he wants and he articulates it very well. He can tell you exactly what his offensive system is, the principles of it. And they are, clear enough that I think it's easy for players to understand and buy in and then it just gets to the point of being able to communicate the details and I I think he's very smart and kind of understands how a cohesive offense works and I think the time under Sean certainly would have enhanced that since I've talked to him and knew you know was having more consistent conversations with him three years ago so I I do think that um is he as dynamic as Sean no would I bet my life on him being great like I probably would have been willing to Sean no but do I think he's going to be a good head coach yeah, I I genuinely do. If he
0: is if he is a good co- head coach, that's going to be a good football team. Yeah, a really good football team. If if he is the right answer at head, head coach, because they've had you know issues with Zimmer, and they needed an offensive head coach. I believe that. I if he's the right guy, they should be really good this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so too, and also I think it's important for people to understand, and you guys know this, that a head coach is only as good as his coordinators and his assistants. Mm-hmm. And I, from what I understand, I think he made some good hires in that department. Guys that I know, guys that I'm familiar with, guys who see have a similar vision to Kevin that can support him at least for a couple of years before going on and doing their own thing, which would allow Kevin the opportunity to kind of, you know, flesh out and confirm this identity as a head coach and an OC. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's also important to understand too.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, anything else? Any other games? Uh, By the way, home opponents this year, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Vikings. So, as we said, Kirk and Kevin coming back to D.C. Packers, uh, Titans, Jaguars, Falcons, Browns. The road opponents, uh and there's one fewer of those. Washington had the with the seventeen game schedule, nine road last year, eight home. This year it's nine home, eight on the road, road opponents, of course, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, then Bears, Lions, Texans, Colts, 49ers. A- any other game that we want to touch on before we uh we the, let She go here?
0: The only thing I was gonna say is last year when you looked at the schedule, even though I don't believe in like predicting how tough or how easy a schedule Last year, you knew that the starting quarterbacks of the teams that they had on their schedule were great. Like, I don't know in recent memory if any teams faced. the, the They had the AFC West, so they had Herbert Mahomes, um, Carr, and it wouldn't even put Carr necessarily in that class. They had Aaron Rodgers. They had Tom Brady. They had Russell Wilson. They had Prescott twice, and I'm forgetting somebody as well. Matt Ryan. um can't I don't have last year's schedule in front of me, but it was. Yeah. They got
1: Jameis the when he was night. playing lights out. Like that had... best
0: game, yeah, yeah. This year, you, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers. You know what would be really interesting is if Deshaun Watson's first game after whatever suspension they give him is against Washington, because that'll be a huge story. Josh they, Allen was the other yeah. one. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, Josh they had Allen. Allen.
1: Last year, at the Bills. Josh yeah. Allen.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Who yeah. looked like the best player in football last year. So,
0: Yeah, so they've got Aaron Rodgers this year. They've got, um, you know, Prescott twice. They've got Kirk. They've got Watson.
2: You know. Ryan Tannehill. Get Tannehill. that in there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, I mean, a, murderous, have, have that's a murderous row. It's, it's <laughs> different
0: this year. I mean, Davis Mills, you know, yeah. The- so it's but you've
1: also got a lot of wild cards, right? you got Lawrence in his second year. We, who knows what True. Kyle's going to be able to do with Trey Lance. Like, we don't know whether Watson's going to be playing for the Browns or whether it'll be the backup. So right. like, there, there's a lot of wild cards on that front, too. I mean, and look, if Derrick Henry's healthy, like the Titans, and you know, Tannehill's a different quarterback when he gets to turn around and hand it to 22, 30 times a game, and then he just has to operate within that framework. So, I mean, it's the NFL. <laughs> The opener
0: opener might be the game in which they are the biggest favorite they are all year long. I mean, they could be one of the biggest favorites in week one, period. I mean, the Giants, you know, but you don't know by the time you get to those games. (laughs) Remember last year, five division games to close the year. Yeah. That was a a major anomaly. I mean, that, that was unusual. Maybe they're trying to do more of that now.
1: Uh, I think definitely. I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least it's the last four again. You know, it's going to be the last two. I think that's by rule. It's the last, last at least one the last one. Last one, not
0: rule. But yeah, a lot of teams had three out of their final five or four out of their final six last year.
1: No doubt about it. All right, uh, Kevin Sheehan, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, and of course the Kevin Sheehan Show, six to nine a.m. weekdays on the team nine eighty. Sheehan, we will certainly have you back for uh, other discussions of varying types uh, as we get more, going more here on the discussion. podcast yeah and uh schedule. Oh, yeah yeah. I, yeah we we know your depth of knowledge goes beyond the schedule <laughs> no, but we, had to, the we had to honor the bit good luck to honor the bit good luck thank you
2: guys thanks appreciate you coming on Kip. take care